0: Welcome to the On The Edge podcast with your host, Scott Groves. All right, Cole, third time guest. Let's get right into it. Why is Fledge the best tool for loan officers and why is it better than every CRM out there?
1: It may not be the best product for loan officers out there. Like, you know, I'm an honest guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Tell us what Fledge is, why you own it, and why there is a sign in my podcast studio over your left shoulder that says Fledge. Oh, Pretty cool, right? Looks, yeah, it looks good. I great. got one for
1: you to take home. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, when we talk to people, I tell them we built the perfect product for me and my process. And, um, if it works for their process, then great. Um, if it doesn't, that's okay too. Like, um, I know people really like to sell the sizzle and all these crazy promises. Uh, but for me, I'm just like, Hey, like this is a product built out based off of my process, how I do loans. And if it works for them, fantastic. If it doesn't, that's totally fine. Like I'm not not so arrogant as to believe that we've created a perfect product, like what you're saying. Like I'm not so arrogant to believe it doesn't exist, um, but I have created a perfect product for me, and hopefully, it's a good product for other people too. Um, so tell and- us what it is you've
0: built. So what is what is Fledge?
1: So we're still trying to figure out what Fludge is. <laughs> um, sometimes we're calling it a CRM, but I've found that when people hear CRM, and I don't necessarily think that um, a CRM has to do automated communication with your clients, but that seems to be like the connotation to people, at least in the mortgage space. When they hear CRM, they think of, Oh, it's going to send, you know, text messages and emails to all of my clients, um, which Fledge does not do automated messages to your clients. Um, What it does is it manages your leads and tells you when you should be reaching out. Um, But the um, automated stuff, Fledge will, you know, never have, at least when it comes to reaching out to clients. Like I believe that you as the loan officer are the number one lead conversion tool, quote unquote, tool that there is in the process. Like there's such a heavy push for AI and automation. And I do think that there's a place for that. Um, But as this happens more and more, like I know for me as a consumer, I'm just getting more and more frustrated when like I call and I want to talk to a human being and it's some kind of automated messaging system, Um, even if it seems like it's a human, you know, I know with AI as it gets more and more like advanced, like you'll understand or know less and less that you're talking to a computer. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see like what kind of standards and laws get put into place on disclosure with that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, for me, it's like I'm desiring human connection, not less of it. Um, And so the system is built not to automate yourself as a loan officer, particularly a loan officer that's not working at like a call center, a loan officer that's like, hey, like I believe in the personal connection. That's why we get compensated the way that we do versus somebody who's online um, working at, you know, I won't name actual mortgage companies, but working on like an online call center. It's the reason why we're compensated better than they are is we're selling like our service and who we are as people. So, um, There's definitely a place for automation and AI, but when it comes to converting deals and leads, I think that you should be putting yourself out there more, not less. And so many people have trouble knowing who to reach out to um, and when. And that's what the system does, is it does organize um, your leads so... We're calling it a lead management tool. <laughs> it's there you a go. Long answer to your question to say lead you know, management tool. Yeah, and we, you know, lead optimization has been thrown out there because um, that sounds a little bit sexier than um, lead management. So yeah, lead optimization tool, something along those lines, but not a CRM, just because the connotation I think that so many people have when they see our hear CRM is they think, oh, it's going to reach out to my leads on my behalf, which it's not going to do.
0: Yeah, you have a great line that you say, hey guys, I get it, you know, but one, I've never bought a new car because Galpin Ford sent me a birthday email, some automated bullshit that has no salesperson attached to it, no personal touch, not a phone call. Like, I'm never buying a car from Galpin Ford Motors because Galpin Ford sent me a canned email birthday. You say that a lot. And then you also say, hey, I get it. There's a place in this business for automation and efficiency behind the scenes, for AI and clarity and all this cool stuff that's coming out that's going to make the process easier. But as far as communication with the realtors and the clients, you say frequently like, "Hey, if you want to make your, if you want to automate yourself out of the business, you might just automate yourself out of the business."
1: Yeah, I think the automation is great for like marketing kind of stuff, right? Like, hey, um, you know, just like a, a billboard may or you know, whatever it is, like marketing is one thing, but sales is another. And so when we're talking about converting leads, like you're not trying to market to these people more, you're trying to get on the phone with them and explain to them why they should be working with you as a loan officer and an email going out on Black Friday, wishing them, you know, um, you know, happy holiday season or whatever, a birthday email, you know, you get, For me, like when my birthday comes by, I get a couple dozen of those emails from, you know, a dentist and your mechanic or whoever else happens to have you in their system. And it's like, I don't even bother reading those. Um, And it's not the reason why I work with them as a mechanic or a dentist or whatever it may be. So yeah, I think it's like okay for marketing, but when it comes to like, I wanna take this lead from like initial contact to getting them pre-approved, An email that says like, hey, happy birthday is not going to do that. Like you need to pick up the phone and call and answer questions that the client has.
0: So we're filming this early 2024
1: and Fledge is now
0: a real business with real customers and real revenue. Congratulations, by the way. And it's, I think it's technically profitable if we take out all of the extra development costs. But I know this has been like a three-year journey that I frankly tried to talk you out of many, 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 many times. So do you want to talk about like building a tech platform that's kind of custom to how we've talked about, you've been part of our coaching since pretty much You first got into the mortgage business. And again, another reason why I tried to talk you out of doing this, because I was like, don't be distracted. Just go do loans. And you're like, no, I'm making this tool because it's going to work the way loan officers want it to work instead of a CRM that's so time consuming just to learn the basics. You never never use it. So can you talk about the journey about how long this took to get a digital product to market? Because that's a pretty fascinating story.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the reasons, because you weren't the only person that told me not to do it. I think one of the reasons why I continue to proceed was I didn't it really didn't distract me from anything. Um, away from my mortgage business. If anything, it required me to like perfect my process even more. Like as we were building out the product and it was like, okay, what are the different stages that a lead has? Like before you kind of put it in an Excel and it's what I witness every single time that I talk to somebody that's on like an Excel, which is probably 80% of loan officers. That's like not a, you know, an official poll or anything, but just having at this point talked to several hundred loan officers about the product. My guess is 80% have no system that they use. Right. Um, And and, and
0: what's sad is they probably have a system they pay for, their company pays for, but it's too cumbersome. So they don't use it and they revert back to the spreadsheet or the Google sheet. That's right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, And so- of those like 80% that are using Excel or some version of that, um, they usually have like three kind of like, oh, this is a warm lead, a hot lead, like dead lead, Like it's usually kind of like something like that, but there's no like, if I ask them what that means, there's nothing clearly defined. Um, And so what was cool like is when I was in the army as an intelligence analyst, like a big part of the job is like categorizing data managing the data and, um, you know, knowing like, what is like, here's a data point, like what does it actually mean? And so building out the system required me to use those skills where I was like, what is like, I had a kind of a similar thing, like a warm lead, a hot lead, but I'm like, what is that actually? Like, okay, like I get a lead initially, like if somebody's interested in getting pre-approved, they tell a realtor they're interested in getting pre-approved. I think we all naturally like in our head think of the best like best thing like oh this is a hot lead it's you know they're going to be buying tomorrow or whatever but very quickly they can go from a quote-unquote hot lead to a cold lead because they didn't you know never respond or they're very slow to respond so I'm like no it's like not a hot cold thing because that can change so quickly I'm like there's actual stages um, that a lead naturally goes through um, and I think it's something that like if you were to talk to a loan officer or any kind of sales professional, they would kind of intuitively be like, oh yeah, that's common sense. But it's just been so surprising to me how many people like on the Excel list, they may like intuitively know that. And like when I explain the different stages to them, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's the natural like progression of a lead, but they've never put it into those terms. So building the system, required me to like clearly define like what are the stages of a lead so yeah we started um about three years ago um and at the time we were going with the name of hatch um just because one of my buddies um austin he had said like dude and at the time he was a real estate agent and he said dude i send you a lead and you're like a mother hen like you like i give you a you know give you a lead and you're like a mother hen with her eggs like sitting on them and like protecting them and making sure that everything is you know going well and then all of a sudden you reach out to me 6 months later and it's like hey like that egg is now like a like a a hatched chick and so that's where some of the like images that we have in the system of like a cracked egg all the way up to a chick comes from is just him saying that so he When he brought that up, we're like, oh, dude, let's just make that the name Hatch, which we've gone away from since then. Um, But, dude, yeah, it wasn't easy. Like in your head, you think, okay, it's like certain stages that a lead goes through. And here's the different, you know, I'm not a tech guy by any means, but you've got um, these different wireframes or whatever as they build out a product. But with the first developer that we worked with, um, and it was over a year that we worked with him and we probably got 90% of the way there and then um it was like like a a leak in plumbing and it was like we would point out two leaks in the pipes and those two leaks would get plugged and then two other leaks would come up when he pushed out the fix and so you know you talk about like the sunk cost fallacy or whatever it is it's like at some point like, man, I've put in so much time and a good chunk of change into this thing. Like, we just got to keep going. And we did that for a while until eventually we just had to, like, rip off the Band-Aid and kick it because we just weren't ever getting to the, like, the finished product. So that was over a year. Wasn't uh, it, like, closer to two? It may have been close. Like, I don't like to, I don't think about it too much, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I just remember a lot of times I would like drive past the, uh, you know, the Glendora Cigar Lounge where you and Austin, we hang out. You'd be like, yeah, we've got a developer call. And I'm like, you're still in development stage? And you're like, well, yeah, we fixed this leak, but that sprung another leak. Yeah. And then we had to pay for this update and this upgrade. And, and I never got the feeling that you thought there was something nefarious going on. It was just like they, they way overpromised on the product they could deliver
1: it was a little bit of that and uh, the developer came to us through like a friend of a friend and um, that person said, Oh, this person owes me a favor. Um, And so we did like, you know, did that the developers credit, like as far as my understanding is, we were, we got like good, decent pricing on um, like what we were paying the developer for the, for the product. Um, And I think like you, you get what you pay for. And it's like, I think the developer at one, you know, one point just kind of looked at us as like, I'm making no money on this. It's like, he's probably looking at it the same way because I've learned now that like when you say, oh, I want to talk to a developer, the person that's like the developer is not the actual developer. There's somebody that like kind of understands coding and knows just enough to like, they have, human skills and also developer skills where they can kind of liaise between the actual developers. And this has just been my experience. I'm sure there's other people that, you know, worked directly with their developer. But in my case, both times, um, you have somebody that, like, is the developer but they're not actually the developer they're taking your idea to an actual developer and then that person is building out the product so I think for him at some point he's like I'm making no money on this like you know um, I go back to the developer and they push out a fix and then I think that we're done and then we're not and he's just like at some point just decided you know what like I'm gonna not reply to their emails as quickly as I used to and um decide like oh you know now we're going to charge you extra money for this thing that you know wasn't originally going to be a charge for and like basically made it where we didn't have a choice but to kind of move on so and so um, this is
0: where i kind of get involved in the story is like yeah. again i was a i was a big hater just trying to look out for you as my friend and a coaching client i'm like god man how many hours are you sinking into this thing to chase this dream of like owning a tech company and I had not heard you articulate it that way where you're like, hey man, designing the systems actually making me a better loan officer because I'm having to put down in writing the things that I already know in my head. And like when you go through Fledge and the stages, it, do, it does feel very thought out where it's like, hey, we have a lead that needs contact, meaning we've never talked to him before. Well, now we've sent out the needs list, so we know those are the people we have to follow up and do it daily to get the application, to get the paperwork back in. It's very, it's very intuitive. So the amount of cigars you smoked and time you thought about putting this thing together, it worked out really well. And about two years in, I had seen what was the 90% finished product, and I'm like, oh, this is rad.
1: You were even using it at one point, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was
0: using like the beta (sighs) test of the old developer version, and I'm like, oh, this is super rad because, and I'm really dating myself here using the word rad. Um, This is super cool uh, because it, because of the fact that you and I had such a close relationship, you took some of my coaching stuff, you infused some of your own stuff. I'm like, oh, this works exactly as I would want to have my coaching clients have a dummy proof way to follow up with their leads and like, you know, we've kind of joked about this like military thing, like the Navy SEALs, no man left behind. It's like, it's really is like no lead left behind. If you're following the system and you're putting the data in there and then it's telling you when to call them and it's just a very easy tile system where you're going through and contacting your leads, it is impossible to lose track of a lead, which I think every loan officer has felt that pain of like months later, they finally follow up with Susie Q. And she's like, yeah, man, I never heard back from you or I lost your phone number or whatever. I just closed on a loan like three weeks ago. And you're like, oh dude, that's like $8,000. I left on the table and Fledge makes sure that that never happens. So you came to me and you're like, hey man, I am out of energy and frankly money to get this thing to fruition. I have a developer who is ready to go. He's US based. He's, He's a friend of mine from high school, which I was a little scared of and for 25 grand like we'll basically give you equity in the company. We'll give you a payout and like I need your money to get us to the finish line because, like, I just don't have the energy to like invest any more money in this. And I was like, "Yes, let's go," because the system is awesome, which is a big change from two years earlier when yeah. I'm like, "You are an effing idiot yeah. for trying to do this." Yeah. Um, so, tell us about finding the new developer and why that was such a better working relationship. Mm-hmm. You can use him by name, but like, shout out to him because he he really delivered on the way that he said he was going to deliver.
1: Yeah, he did. Um, I think even at one point. Before we started development, I had even talked to him, which his name's Alan. And yeah, he's a buddy from high school. Um, But um, yeah, I think I brought up interest of building something. And my guess is if people know that you're a developer, you probably have people that say that to you all the time anyway. It's like, oh, I've got this great idea. You don't hear so much about it now, but for a while there. Like it was, you were like really cool. If you're like, oh, I'm working on an app. Like, do you yeah. remember that? That was yeah. like a really like everybody's I'm building on, yeah. an app. Yeah, everybody was building an app. You don't hear that so much. That's like
0: eight years ago, Candy Crush era. Yeah, when it, when it came out that the dude who made Candy Crush was like making a million dollars a day or some shit. Everyone's right. like, oh, I got an app. I got a great idea for an app that can be addictive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. I'm sure developers hear it all the time, right? Yeah.
1: So I I don't think that he when I told him, hey, we're working on a product. I don't think he really took me seriously Um, because him and I, we talk like, you know, every couple of years or so. And I think um, like I brought up the fact that we were interested. I don't think, I think he's also very busy. Um, And so, yeah, I think that we had that conversation in passing. He probably didn't think that I was particularly serious about it. And then when we did reconnect, you know, a year and a half or two years later, whatever it was, um, he's like, you know, expressing the frustrations. And he, I think, was like, dude, you're still like working on that thing. (laughs) Um, And I think the timing was just right where for his team and the companies that they work with on development, it was there was going to be like a period where they would have some downtime and had some extra bandwidth and same kind of thing, um, you know. Um, When we realized that we needed to talk to another developer, um, we actually went and talked, like, I don't know if Austin, like Google developers or what it was, but um, they looked at the, um, like, the first version of Fledge and were like, oh, yeah, you probably spent, like, X amount of dollars, and that amount was, like, I think three or four times what we had spent. So, um, you know, I think... um, Alan also gave us a great deal cuz the product that we have now is pro like one it works <laughs> unlike the last one and then it's probably like a couple times like easier to use um the um I'm still learning all of the uh like technology. the interface Yeah, what is he calls it? Um a uh UX Yeah, user, user experience. Yeah, so, uh, something like that. I don't know. I need to work on all the I love it. I love that you own a tech
0: company and you're like, I don't know what user experience yeah. means. I don't know, it just shit just works. Yeah,
1: something like that. Um, but it just it looks better. Um, and so um yeah, I know he gave us a, a great deal. Um and he we actually way back in the day when we were in high school, like in the internet was like still early on, him and I like started a like a company, like just kind of messing around because he's he's um, Chinese. And so he had, like, connections back in China with, like, import and export stuff. I think his dad did a little bit of that. And we were going to start importing some products and sent out some, like, BS emails to, like, some companies in China. And I always kind of wonder what, like, would have ever happened to that. Because it was just really simple, like, every, you know, everyday stuff that you would use, like, cell phone cases and those kinds of things. Um, So him and I had, like way long time ago when we were in high school messed around with working together um and um yeah I'm grateful that um he him and I reconnected and that he was willing to um help out and we you know him and I butt heads a little bit too before the development happened I think that's just kind of natural but um he's delivered on you know pretty much everything that he said that he would and in the areas where there's bound to be miscommunication it's like you um you just kind of give him the benefit of the doubt of like i know we're getting a homey discount and um yeah just grateful for the fact that we've got something launched and like you said yeah we are profitable um everything is going back into further development of other things but if we just decided hey we've got a finished product we'd be profitable and make a couple of bucks, which is, yeah, it's pretty cool. So what, what is your hope for the people who sign up for Fledge, right? Cause like every week you're
0: giving a demo, we're talking to people, we're trying to troubleshoot program uh, problems and like really educate people how to use the thing. Cause you know, the challenge that we've had in naming it a, you know, lead management tool, a contact management system, mm. uh, it's a, it's the diet Coke of CRMs. The hard thing is like, some loan officers don't know how to interact with it. They're like, okay, okay, yeah, so I I call my leads. I'm like, no, you don't. And I I think of that scene in uh, Adam Sandler, where uh, that Adam Sandler movie, uh, where he goes back to school and he's talking to Tommy boy. Billy Madison, um, Billy Madison, yeah, and he's talking to Chris Farley, and Chris Farley is like, "That Vince Vaughn is one fine piece. and he's like, "I, you know, her and I got it on." He's like, "No, you didn't." Yeah. He's like, "No, but I got a friend," and, yeah. and he's like, "No, you didn't." He's yeah. like, "But you can imagine, yeah. <laughs> it's like the same thing with loan officers. They're right. like, I call every one of my right. leads until they tell me not to call them anymore. I'm like, No, you don't." They're like, yeah, yeah, but my CRM emails them all the time until they, I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. And they're like, but you can imagine what it would right. be if you followed up with all your leads. And I'm like, yes, that's the real answer. Yeah. So what is what is your hope for people that sign up on Fledge? And obviously, I think once you're on it and you understand the power of it, you're going to be on it forever for your yeah. entire
1: career. But what is your hope for like the loan officers that that use it? Um, it's, it's really three things. Um, and this is a little bit of the sales pitch. Here. Um, but the three things uh whenever we have somebody on for a demo, the three things that fledge has done for me and the hope is that it does for loan officers is um one, like pretty simple, like you convert more deals, like if you have a system that's optimizing your leads, managing your leads, whatever you want to call it, you should be closing more deals. So that I think is pretty simple and straightforward. Um, the second that I, you know, really started to realize probably two or three years ago, um, was that by utilizing the system, your lead follow-up becomes its own form of lead generation. You know, as you can tell, I don't have the, you know, same sizzle that Scott does when he gets behind a, you know, a camera. Um, I've never been, well, I used to be, but, It's been a long time since I've been the guy that like just comes in and is like, you know, super energetic about stuff. It's just not particularly in my DNA. Um, And so when I would call realtors, I would have a really hard time calling them and, um, you know, different coaching programs, you know, call the realtors on Monday and ask them like, hey, did you work or did you play? It's like some people can pretend that they care. Like I cannot pretend that I care. Wait, you don't
0: care if your realtor had a nice weekend off or if they worked an open house?
1: Like Some of them I do. And those are like yeah. my buddies that I can just call up and be like, hey, what's yeah. up, dude? Um, And I'm just like genuinely interested in their life. Right. But like
0: many were not. <laughs> yeah. Many,
1: it's a, just, it's a, it's a business relationship. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Like you're not supposed to be best friends with everybody that you work with. Like right. that's not what business is about. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, um, though, Hey, did you work or did you play calls for some people are like really difficult. Um, and so for me, I'm like, Hey, this is so much easier if, I can reach out on doesn't have to be Monday, whatever day of the week that it is and say like, hey, Scott, remember Chris DeRosa, who you referred me six months ago and he never picked up the phone? Well, guess what? Like he was on my follow up and fledged today. And he's now interested in getting pre-approved. I just got off the phone with him. He said, yes, I mean, the needs list. I just got a new job and I've been meaning to reach out. And I, you know, I just haven't had the time to do it. Yeah. Or um, I lost
0: your number. I forgot which realtor introduced me to you. Because I, when I was hot bothered about buying a house, I, I even forgot which realtor connected us or whatever.
1: That's right. So um, the phone call that I make to the real estate agent is, hey, remember that person. And they usually which they don't. don't. Yeah, and they don't. they don't remember don't. a lead from yeah. six months ago. Yeah, they usually don't. Um, but even if they do, it's like, oh yeah, like I, 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 you know, I don't have a CRM myself as a real estate agent. Like what's going on. Um, and I can tell them, well, they're now working on getting pre-approved. Do you have anybody else that I can call since you know that I'm the best at follow up. And if there's any chance of a lead ever converting into a closed deal, like it's going to close with me. Um, so that's the second thing. The first thing is you're going to convert more leads. The second is your lead follow-up becomes its own form of lead generation. And then the third one, you know, one thing that I've learned in like the development is you get so many different opinions from all kinds of different people. And for me, it's really tough. Even when I went and met with, um, with Dave, I, one of the questions that I asked him was like, dude, you probably have people that you really respect um, that give you like polar opposite advice. Like, how do you decide which piece of advice that you're going to follow through with? And he's like, you're never going to know for sure. Um, And some of it, you just go with your gut. And this is, you know, for me, like kind of becoming like my own person, kind of stepping into like, yeah, you listen to advice, but like you're a big boy and like you can make your own decisions. Like it doesn't need to be based off of what somebody else is telling you. Um, And so, um, yeah, so this third thing I've been told by some people like, dude, you should take that out of your demo. Like it's cheesy. People want like some concrete, like, yeah, it's going to convert. And yeah, it's going to like do these things. But like, I really believe it. Like here we are at your, you know, this at your place, the conference talking with different loan officers and like, there's a lot of pain for these loan officers and like the work that they do. And just what we deal with in our job. Um, and we're fortunate to have the job that we have, but it's, it is it is a really tough job um, and I know it. And so like I feel a connection with the users of the product and I don't necess- necessarily think that everybody who's built a tool for loan officers like empathizes with them the way that I do. Like for me, like the third thing is the one that I care about the most, which is like, get your life back. You know, like Fledge will help get your life back. Like you're married or you have a girlfriend or you have a boyfriend or a husband or you have children or you just want to get back to like riding your bike, you know, like just enjoying life. This business can take so much from you if you let it. Um, and yeah, so Fledge for me is a tool that um, if used correctly, like it will give loan officers their life back because they will know who they're supposed to talk to, when they're supposed to talk to them, what most recently happened and how to follow up with them and so that lead's not going to be reaching out to them because they've been following up so insanely well and then that real estate agent who like god bless them like this is how i make my income but they have totally different hours you know and they could be like eight o'clock at night. You know, I feel there's been times early on in my business that I'm like, I have to be a night owl and an early bird because some top producing real estate agents are like night owls and some top producing agents are early birds. And so it's like, I gotta be working at midnight when that top producer's working at midnight and I've gotta be the early bird when that early bird's working at 4 a.m. It's like, there's no time for me. Um, But what I found was if you're overly proactive, those inbound messages, and I'll never say it completely eliminates it, but it significantly decreases the amount of the inbound, like, hey, what's the latest on this lead? Hey, what's the latest on that lead? And when I do get those, it's usually newer agents that, like not necessarily new new realtors, but new to working with me. And it only takes, you know, a few of those times because they just that's they're used to that habit of like, oh, I've got to stay on top of this loan officer because loan officers don't call the leads that I send. But like after that happening a few times, like, yeah, you know, giving them a reminder. Yeah, I remember I talked to Susie and you were copied on this text message to Susie and Susie replied back and said, you know, give me until January 25th. So, like, I have Susie set for follow-up on January 25th. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Cole. Yeah, uh, you know, my bad. Yeah, great. Um, And I'll let you know if anything happens before that. Like, I have so much more peace of mind. And to be frank, like, the past year, like, I really haven't done, besides the lead follow-up, like, a ton of, like, outbound stuff because I've just been enjoying, like, being able to work when I work and not have like my schedule dictated to me by other people. Like still, you know, you get a weekend, hey, we got to get an updated pre-approval letter or whatever it may be, but like this job is significantly more enjoyable since implementing that kind of system. Yeah, yeah, I I love
0: everything you said there. And you know, one of the things we talk about is like, everybody knows intuitively, even if they don't want to admit it to themselves, because it's a shortcoming of us as loan officers, Everybody knows the headaches that we have as loan officers, whether it's a deal going sideways or a realtor blowing you up on a Saturday or Sunday to get an update on a file. It's almost exclusively because there wasn't good communication. Yeah. You know, o- almost exclusively yeah. it's like I didn't update them about what's going on with the lead, I didn't update them about what's going on with the client, and then yeah, rightfully so, like this is their little golden egg that's going to produce a 10, 20, 30, 40,000 commission. They want to know that we as the loan officer, their partner is following up, and when we don't do that, it's um it's frustrating. And you know, I've been thinking about my business as I'm using Fledge more and more. It's like I've got Uh, 22, 20, oh Jesus, 24 years of doing this. I feel very old now. 24 years of doing this. I got really serious about databasing on the Excel spreadsheet you talk about in 2014. So I've got, you know, 5,000 past clients that I'm slowly adding. We're up to about 500 in Fledge because I didn't want to do a mass import. I'm legitimately adding one at a time and being like, hey, you referred to me back in 2014. You probably never bought a house. You did buy a house. You didn't use me. I don't, maybe you did use me. I don't remember. Yeah. What's going on, man? Yeah. And then that's giving me an excuse to reach out to realtors who maybe I still work with or I've lost touch with. And it's like a lot of the outbound stuff I used to have to do completely goes away. Mm-hmm. And kind of to show off to the coaching clients that we have here, I just did about an hour and a half of calls yesterday in front of everybody. Like, this is how we're following up. And one of the guys, Mike, he said, he said, "Man, you you really encourage me, Scott, cuz you're not doing anything special. You're just calling, you're putting him in Fledge, you're updating the realtor, and sure enough, in the last 24 hours, we got two at bats, one from my buddy Keeley, who refers me to some business. I love her to death, but sometimes like when you're not, you know, you're out of sight, you're out of mind."
1: That's awesome. I I think I ruined that relationship last time. Yeah, you did, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, I handed off a VA loan to Cole to do for Akili and her mom, Tracy, and uh, it didn't go so well, and they stopped working with me for a little while. But we've got it back. It's fine. Um, But the thing is, I updated her on a lead from months ago just to see if we could get a status update because the client did, in fact, say, hey, follow up with me after the first of the year. She was appreciative of that. A lead came in today that I've got a a buyer's consult with for a million-dollar purchase similarly reached out to an agent uh andrea who i love and we again do business together but it's like you're out of sight you're out of mind gave her an update about a client who's going to re-engage who's starting to get pre-approved again and she's like oh yeah by the way i forgot to call you um do you do loans for teachers i've got a deal i'm not even part of the clients buying a house from their landlord but they need like 10 down on a million dollar loan her and her husband are both working and they 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 just about qualify can you talk to them and those are two leads that would not have happened organically with them just calling me and referring them if i was not staying top of mind with other leads right yeah. and i you know i coach this stuff and i run out of juice on like what to call people about sometimes and i and i have the famous with 50 sheet and all the stuff that i coach but like sometimes you're like i just i just don't have it in me to call this person again but when you're calling about a legitimate lead status update That's like the easiest sales call. Maybe Chris can actually put up the graphic right now in the podcast. I have this little graphic I prepared for our coaching clients, like the four quadrants of lead generation, where it's like the number one quadrant in the upper left-hand corner is call about a piece of business that you're already doing with them, right? And then ask for more business, and then the other three kind of cascade down from there. But um, what you're saying doesn't seem kitschy or corny or that you should take it out of the demo. It's like, this is real shit, man. This is like the real stuff we deal with, so... Kudos to you for staying authentic. I guess that's a really long, roundabout yeah. way endorsement of like you as a person
1: and what you've built. Yeah. And it, like you said, you run out of juice. If you run out of juice, everybody runs out of juice. Like <laughs> yeah. if somebody's not going to run out of juice, it's somebody like you. So, yeah, at some point, like you just don't have anything left and like remove all of the, you know, surface level stuff of just like, hey, man, what's going on? And, just get to like, hey, get to business. Hey, here's a deal that you never thought was going to turn into anything that maybe it will turn into something. Um, yeah, man. And then the other thing um, that when we're communicating with loan officers about it and they're they're pushing so hard for like the automation stuff is um, I would say – 95 to 99% of loan officers don't have a, oh, I have too many leads problem. They just don't have their leads appropriately organized. Like you're probably like an example, a rare example of somebody that may have too many leads, but you also have team members. Like if you get to a point where you have 5,000 past clients, like you're in the fraction of top 1% of loan officers that have 5,000 past clients, but like, for me, my database is um, about 20, I think we're actually probably up to like 2,600 leads now, which- Is a um, shit ton of yeah. leads that you've received in five years, seven years? Um, you said you felt weird. How many years have you been in? 24. Yeah. So this feels, it'll be nine years that I've Shut been in the, the business. Yeah. In April. Man. I feel like that scene that scene on Swingers where like I just want to jump on the table and be
0: all grown up. You're all grown up.
1: And that's talk like talking about like stepping into my own and like, hey, it's like, you know, my like I'm not a baby anymore, you know? Like I am grown up. It's like, dude, I've been doing this for nine years. Like I'm not a I'm not a new loan officer. You're not a rookie anymore. yeah. Yeah, I'm not a rookie anymore. Um But I can proudly say, and this goes back to, you know, meeting you at the right time, like, I have every lead that I've ever received, like, ever, like, I know for a fact, I have every lead that I've ever received in my database um, of about 25, 2600 leads. But even think about how many working days are there in a year, and we all know most loan officers are working weekends, anyways. But even just the working days is like 260, I think. Um, so going back to you don't have a I have too many leads problem. You have a I don't have my leads appropriately organized problem. Like yeah, you know, just appropriately organize those leads over the next 12 months of, you know, 2,600. And like, all I'm asking myself to do is reach out to 10 people a day, right? like with as much money as we earn. And that's just me. Like I have a team member too. So she can also reach out to people. Like you don't have too many deals. You just don't know when you're supposed to be reaching out to these people. Um, and that goes for past clients that goes for pre-approvals. Like I have 300 and something pre-approvals and Like those are all spaced out over the next six months. And these are all people that, you know, I may have pre-approved them three years ago. Right. And they're going to get contacted at some point. And yeah, they'll have a pay increase, new job, whatever it may be. We update their pre-approval. Same thing with past clients. Like some days, like I reach out to every past client on a Friday and, um, you know, some days they're busier, other days they're not as busy. When I get to the letter Z, like there's not as many people with the last name that starts with a Z. Right. You know, um, I just did the letter C. There's a shit ton of letter C's, right? Because um, that's where we're at in the year. Like I always start with A, the first Friday of January, then B is the second Friday of January, and so. Um, yeah, you just need to organize your deals. You don't need a system to automate your contacts and your conversion going back to the very beginning. Like you as a human being are the most powerful like lead um, generation and lead conversion like tool that you have. It's like you as a human being, like everything else is to like supplement. And I feel like All of the excitement and pizzazz and everything else is focused on AI and all that stuff. Like that's a very distant second to supplement you being a human and reaching out and contacting people. Yeah.
0: And one of the things that I love the way that you're looking at it is if you correctly categorize your leads, then you're just gonna have more success and more conversion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The way that I look at it from coaching people is like, hey man if you just follow up with the leads you already have, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year, every month, every day. So it's like when I look at conversion ratios of like, I got this many leads or I'm evaluating a coaching client. I'm trying to help them out. I'm like, you got this many leads, you got this many credit pools, converted into this many pre-approvals and this many fundings. That's a good way to look at the math But what's almost impossible to evaluate unless I have like all their metadata is like, but what's happening to the pre-approvals from 10 months ago that were a lead that turned into a credit report that hasn't yet bought? And if you're doing a better job as a, a sales professional in any business, if you're doing a better job of following up with the leads you've already created, it makes today's level of stress and work so much easier to manage because you have deals going under contract from people and conversations and relationships you worked on eight months ago, eight years ago. Like there's nothing more exciting than when a client from five years ago is like, hey man, you stayed in touch, I'm getting your home IQ report, uh, I need a $2 million cash out refinance to, to put money into this new business venture that I just got into and I'm like, wait a minute, I carry the one, I'm like, I'm gonna make $15,000 from a relationship that I made eight years ago. It's bonkers when you think about like the compounding effect, but loan officers get out of the habit of that good follow, follow up. And I get it because I've been there. It's like the tyranny of the urgent. It's like, I got to generate something today, 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 today. Well, what about the shit you generated last week, last year, last decade? And we just, we forget about it as salespeople and Fledge like solves that problem.
1: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, I feel like I've been, like tilling the land and watering the seeds um, because right now is a tough market and, you know, beginning of 2024, um, you know, particularly in Southern California. And I know for a fact, like, is whatever it is, you know, because the market is so cyclical, whatever the triggering factor is that brings in more transactions into into the market. Like I've been in front of these people for so long, Um, that I know for a fact, like I've got a lot of deals that are going to be coming through here.
0: Hey, this quick interruption is brought to you by me, Scott Groves, the host of the on the edge podcast. This podcast is brought to you by me. Uh, I'm a loan officer who can help you with a mortgage in all 50 states across the United States. I also coach loan officers. So if you are a home buyer who's looking to get a mortgage, if you're a realtor who's looking to partner with an awesome loan officer, or if you're a loan officer looking for coaching, get in touch with me. It's those sources of revenue that allow us to produce this podcast and get out a new episode to you every week for the last couple years. So if you're looking for a mortgage, if you're looking for a mortgage lender to partner with, or you're looking for a mortgage coach, I'm your guy. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. I I wanted to talk about the other side of FLEDGE because um, obviously most of the loan officer most of the work is done by the loan officer, the data entry, the follow-up, the person that's paying for it. But there is kind of this like mirror side of Fledge where realtors can go in and like if they're properly educated by the loan officer, they can see all their leads and all their deals and all the comments and whatnot. So what are your hopes for the realtor on that side
1: of the Fledge interface? Yep. So when a loan officer goes in and adds a real estate agent for the first time, it Automatically creates an account for the agent. They get an email. that's you know, very general. Hey, you know, Scott has created an account for you on Fledge. Here's your login credentials. Um, once that's done, the agents don't receive anything unless a loan officer proactively goes in and turns on notifications. Um, what's cool about the system is, um, although we don't believe in automation to, um, to your leads and converting leads, um, there is room for some automation for communication with the real estate agents, like the real estate agents that know us and trust us and know that we're getting shit done. They don't necessarily need a phone call every single time, right? Like you, you're a human, you can kind of get a vibe and feel for like, Hey, where's my relationship with, with this real estate agent. I need, I don't need to call up Chris Cervantes and give him a status update every single time. Cause I know he's my boy and like, I'm getting his deals but you can use it for like reaching out to somebody who you haven't had as close of a relationship with. So um, for agents that you do, do turn on notifications on and you can do a toggle on for text and email, um, you could do it for one or the other or neither. And by default, it's it, they don't get anything because we don't want agents just randomly getting texts and emails from, um, from the system. Um, but if they're turned on, they'll get status updates as they progress through the pre-approval process or don't. Um, And then also we'll get status updates as you put in notes into the system. Um, But going back to that um, account creation is um, a real estate agent can log into the account that you as a loan officer created for them, and they actually see exactly what you do as a loan officer um, it's just their leads. So like Fledge has a filtering system where you can sort by real estate agent. Um, if I go in and sort for Chris Cervantes, um, he and he logs into the system, he sees exactly what I see. All the notes, the follow-up date, the status. Um, they have a read-only version, meaning they can't change the status of leads, um, nor can they change the next action date on leads. But they can go in and they can add a note. So if it just so happens that they've had a conversation with a lead that they feel like is relevant, they can go in and add a note. Um, But really what my hope is, um, and this will be really my next push this year with real estate agents is they know they can just send me their leads. And because I know realtors are similar to loan officers and that the majority of them don't have a CRM, like my goal is they just know they send me all of their deals and if they ever want to know what's going on with their leads and it's two o'clock in the morning, they can just log into FLEDGE and they can see uh, all hundred leads or whatever it is that they've sent me and know exactly when I followed up. They know exactly when I'm going to follow up again. They know exactly when uh, or what the status is of the lead, like my, my hope and dream um, for the real estate agents that work with loan officers that use FLEDGE is that if they're working with a, uh, a fledged loan officer, um, they know they can just go into the system, log in and see everything that's going on with their leads and know that that loan officer is in their market, the best loan officer for follow-up and they don't need to work with anybody else. And why would they want to, you know, they have a system that they can log into and know exactly what's going on with every single lead. Yeah. Like, All the other stuff that, you know, loan officers try to sell realtors on and do TikTok videos and all of this stuff, like um, you know, going back to like that's just not me. That's like not who I am.
0: Wait, you're not gonna do dancing bear stuff to try to attract realtors? Not
1: gonna do dancing bear stuff. Um But if I'm a real estate agent, would I rather and sometimes it's like a hard pill to swallow too, is like I know that those like videos make them feel good, Um, but would you rather work with a loan officer that's like going to make you feel good because they dance with you and they do videos with you and they give you gifts um, that are 20 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever it is, you know, they're not supposed to be giving you gifts of 100 bucks, but even if they do, would you rather work with a loan officer that does that or would you rather work with a loan officer that puts another deal in your pocket or maybe it's another three deals. Maybe it's another six deals. Like I would rather, if I'm an agent, I would rather work with a loan officer that like maybe doesn't necessarily make me feel great, but like puts another deal or six into my transaction count for the year. Like then you could dance as much as you want and you can buy yourself as many gifts as you want. Because we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending in the market. Um, simply because the conversion is significantly higher by working with somebody that does good follow-up. Yeah. Um, so, and I know like that for me, like there's no, nobody's perfect. Like I know that's a, um, like an area in my business that I could improve. Like even like one of my closest buddies who I know only sends me deals. Like he has this one guy who sent him like a flight of the concords, like some like really fancy, like thing. And he first got in and he's like, dude, this guy gave me this thing. It's like probably a $150 gift. It's like at some point I feel like I got to send him a deal. Like it does create that like feeling like, dude, I got to send him something. Yeah, there's that reciprocity thing. Yeah, but it's like a little bit harder for him to know like, bro, I know you suck at follow up. And like I know for a fact and like since we've been working with each other over the past four years, I know for a fact there's like. Probably six to eight deals that you closed because of my follow up that these clients would have completely gone by the wayside because you don't follow up with them. Right, uh, but that's a harder conversation to have, and the hope is you know they just kind of get to that realization over time. But um, yeah, I mean that may be an area where I could improve is just doing a better job of articulating that value to yeah. so the realtors. Like, hey, I'm not going to dance on TikTok. I'm not going to give you gifts. Like, it just doesn't feel like the right way to do business, but, like, if you send me a deal and there's any chance of that deal closing, it's going to close with me. Like, I'd rather just close a deal for you than give you a cheesy gift. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because... You know,
0: so much of business and sales and what it's just fear driven, right? It's like we have insecurities about what we're doing in our business. And when some loan officer comes around and's like, hey, I do this great post-closing gift and we're going to do a TikTok live and blah, 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 blah. There's like this insecurity of like maybe they don't feel good on camera. Maybe they're bad at post-closing follow up. And it's like, no, no, no. Like that stuff is fun but it's not productive, right? It's like it's like that old, you're, you're at work all day and it's like, well, were you busy or were you actually productive?
1: Yeah, I know in my subconscious, that's what's going on. Like, that's what got me to that place because you don't say it as much as you used to, but you used to say pretty frequently, like, let's are you um, focusing on activity or productivity? Because like, those are not necessarily the two things or the same thing. Like right. doing TikTok videos, like um, posting on Instagram, it's like, Cool, you miss, Mrs. Real Estate Agent posted- or, or Mr. Lender. Yeah, do the same, show. yeah. Well, no, you, you, Mrs. Real Estate Agent, posted a video with Mr. Mortgage, who's like 75 to 80 percent of the people that are following you are real estate agents and loan officers. Like, cool, like you posted to that group. Like, did any deals come from that? It's like it makes you feel good, it makes you feel like you did something, it makes you feel like you were active. But like, was that really productive? Like with the time that you took to edit the video and do those kinds of things, could you have like gone into Fledge and see your past clients and made some calls to past clients and asked about getting together with them to talk about the real estate market? And like, hey, here's how much equity you've got in your house. Um, Like to me, and it can be both, right? Like doing videos and those kinds of things is great. But like the real value um, and where I think you're going to see the most pickup in your business is, like, productive activities, not activity for activity's sake.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's it's so true. And the, the most aggressive things that I've been hit up for, I'm just thinking in my long career here, is, like, $2,000 for Commissions, Inc., which I did a whole three-page dissertation on why that wouldn't work for me and why I didn't think it would work for the realtor. Didn't work for the realtor. Uh, That was 2,000 bucks a month. And then like co-sponsoring Zillow because, you know, the number one thing, and this is in Gary Keller's book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. He writes in there something, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he's like, Your number one job as a realtor is to lead generate. Your number two job is to lead generate. Your number three job is to lead generate. And somewhere way down the list is like negotiate contracts and do listing appointments. Because you're never going to get there unless you have leads. And so there's a ton of companies, like we'll just pick on Zillow, where Zillow like buys the data from the NMLS, which the realtors are paying for synthesizes the data online, creates leads, and then sells that data back to the realtors. It's like yeah. the most egregious thing yeah. that I I can imagine. I mean, it's like, it's like worse than a mob shakedown. At least with the mob, you're getting some protection. Yeah. But they resell these leads. And I remember there was a year that I looked. I was like really bored. And so I jumped on one of the Zillow quarterly calls because I'm a nerd and that's what I do. And they were super proud that they were toting that like, eh, this might've been 2021, 2020. They were like, we sold 100 million leads to realtors. We're changing the way that business is done. And I looked it up and I'm like, 5.1 million houses sold in that same year. So it's like, even if you consider both houses have like two sides of the transaction, just Zillow Zillow is selling 10 leads for every closed uh, side of a transaction, 20 leads per closed deal, right? If you're trying to find buyers or... Yeah, I mean, pretty much the only gives you buyers. So there's 20 buyers being sold for every one closed deal, and then you throw in Commissions, Inc., and Wyalopo, and Lead Pops. You know, there's probably... 200 leads being sold for every one lead that closes. And it's like, oh, you want to team up on that and have to talk to 200 people to close one deal? Or how about you just give me the leads of the people you meet in your neighborhood. I'll use Fledge to follow up with them diligently until the deal closes, and that's worth infinitely more than the 1600 bucks I'm paying for some bullshit lead generation service. They're like, well, I closed two leads from there last year. I'm like, yeah, but you had to talk to 400 people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's
1: bonkers to me. Yeah. I've even experienced that a little bit on my, on my own, like doing Facebook marketing and leads. Like, uh, it was only a couple months ago. I always like, want to just try different things, right? right. That's You're part you are
0: of... a tech company owner now. Yeah. So you got to try different. Tech yeah. Techniques.
1: Try different stuff. Um, and I, ha- I shot a video, um, It was posted on Facebook and my buddy's like a guru when it comes to social media marketing and we got a hundred leads and then I turned them off and I'm like, dude, I'm just going to like follow up with these hundred leads that I have. And these are people that like, um, you know, the messaging on the video was very specific. So I knew I was getting a particular type particular type of buyer but um and, and it wasn't like a trick like hey get a
0: house. Oh, you know yeah. find out what mark walberg's yeah. house is like you were right. actually saying i want to talk to people who are thinking about buying yeah. a loan with this or buying a house with this particular loan yeah. product right yeah.
1: yeah exactly so like they're self-selecting in and it like blew my mind the number of people that when i called were like what and it's like you watched my video and like just watching my video doesn't trigger anything like there's a form. And like in that form, you have to say like, this is my name. This is my email. This is my phone number. This is what I'm interested in. Like you filled out the form. And like, now I'm like the asshole for calling you. And yeah, being like, "And this is like an
0: hour later, you're calling them.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you're interested, like fill out the form below. Um, Otherwise, like have a nice day. And it's like, you filled out, it just, it blows my mind. Like the people are weird. Like, and I, I just wonder, like, what is that? Like, he, like, that's totally off subject. But, like, in my head, I'm like, who watches a video that says, like, if you're interested, give me your info. They put in their info. And then when somebody reaches out, they're like, what are you calling for? It's so bizarre to me. And how many of those 100 leads converted to, to pre-approvals? Um, there's probably, like, five pre-approvals. But, like, the market is like, it's like, you know, a $300,000 purchase price in a market that requires six or seven. So out of those hundred, if you had
0: to take a bet, how many of them are actually going to become closed loads that I put currently money in your
1: pocket? Ex- I currently expect none of them to close. None of them to close? Yeah, I'm currently, like, I'm still, like, on the 7th, 8th, ninth, 12th contact with some of these people, but currently, there's nobody that I'm hoping, like, I believe in their current state of where I understand they are in the process, there's zero Uh, of them that are gonna close. So very small
0: sample size, obviously, we're talking about online marketing, but zero for 100 have a likelihood of closing. And how much time do you suppose filming the video, creating the ad, generating the money to spend the money on the ad, the follow-up that you're doing, how many hours do you think you're into this? I mean, obviously, it has an infinite negative return because you yeah. made no money on it yet. Right. But how many hours to generate the money that you spent on the ad, plus filming the ad, plus you know calling in a bro favor to have them set up the ad set? The follow up on those hundred clients, because I know you're doing the fledged thing yeah, and you're following up right. seven or eight times before you give yeah. up. The four people who got pre approved that you had to do a buyer consult with that are never going to buy a house because they're a $300,000 buyer in an $800,000 market. How much time investment do you think you're in on just this hundred leads to find out there's zero dollars at the end of the rainbow? Probably somewhere around 20. 20 hours? Yeah. I would guess it's at least double that because I yeah, know how I good do. you are at following up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, the calls are quick because they're going to voicemail. <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm right. not having long conversations with these people. It's, <laughs> I'm leaving a voicemail. I Maybe mean, if I was talking to, you know, a lot of them, it would be more hours. So, yeah, I mean, um, I don't have that kind of marketing perfected by any means. You know, the realtor that I teamed up with on this stuff because I, I brought him in because he actually gets a lot of leads from Zillow. Um, So I know that he has like a really good follow-up process and knows how to talk to online leads. But him and I talked and it's like, um, they kind of categorize leads into three different stages. And so obviously for us, like as loan officers and realtors, when we get a lead, we want him to be in like the buying stage. Like, I want to get pre-approved. I want to buy a house. He's like, but the majority of those online leads, the reality is, they're either in, like, a dreaming phase or, like, an exploratory phase. And he said the dreaming phase is just, like, they may be know, like, they can't buy a house. Like, they're in college, um, but they just kind of, like, like the idea of buying a house, which, like, hey, like, who I once dreamt of buying a house, too. Or they're, like, in the early exploratory phases of, like, hey, I'm just trying to get, like, information, He's like, it's a very small percentage of people when they like fill out a form online that they're like, no, I want to get pre-approved and buy a house. So he did tell me like, hey, expect like the cycle of these leads to take longer. So like, you know, who knows? But here we are two months later and it's like, I could tell you definitively every single one of them has been like called or text like at least half a, half a dozen times and most of them more than that. And I have, like, zero hopes of any of them closing, like, in the immediate future. But who knows? Like, I will stay in front of them. And um, who knows? Maybe in six months or a year or whatever, these deals start converting because they go from dreaming stage to, you know, ready to get buying. Like, I don't know. Uh, but I'm interested to, like, take that sample size. I was much more hopeful, though, because I had done this before, like, in 2016. And um, – you know, didn't Same have, results, yeah, right? I did, I did close a couple, um, but, um, you know, different market, right. It's much easier to buy a house in 2016. Um, you know, those were $300,000 pre-approvals that could buy houses. Right. And right. That, you know, they can't do that now. Um, so yeah, I, like I was like, oh, maybe it was just my lack of follow-up skills. So I was really hopeful. I'm like, I think I asked him, Hey, what does Zillow consider a good conversion? And I want to say he said it was, like, 2 or 3% is the goal. Like, of the leads that come through, Zillow's hoping for 2 or 3% of them to close. Um, there's just no way. Yeah. There's no way
0: there's zero percent chance as a realtor, as a lender, as a car salesman, as a widget seller, yeah, there's no way I'm gonna talk to a hundred people to close two deals. Yeah. Like, like maybe if we were uh we were closing 747 jets and the commission was three million dollars instead of three thousand right. dollars, all right, cool, yeah. I'll take a hundred at bats. But the idea of talking to a hundred people to um to close two deals, yeah. a deal is yeah. just crazy to me.
1: Yeah. Huh. Play at
0: four. Uh, yes, and I got to get out of here in a minute because I got a buyer's console at three. Um, all right, cool. So let's uh let's finish up the show. I've already asked you what your favorite movie is because you've been on the podcast before. I'm gonna ask you um, favorite tool that you use in the mortgage industry or in your personal space or on your cell phone that's not Fledge. So we'll ask you a techie question now that you are a tech company owner so your favorite tool or your favorite thing that you spend money on that's not fledged and then uh number two uh what are you most looking forward to in 2024 i mean i know you're newly married i was super stoked to be in the wedding um you've got a lovely bride you've got a lot going on with her career getting out of med school you've got a tech company that you started you got a thriving mortgage career so like what are you most looking forward to in 2024 and what do you spend money on in your world on the tech side, the tool side, the loan officer side, personal consumption on your phone that you're like, oh
1: yeah, this is money well spent. Mm-hmm. Um Damn, that's interesting. Um I don't know if this correctly answers your question. It's what I spend a little bit of money on for leisure is on TikTok. Um, you can subscribe to TikTok creators. And um, is this anywhere along the lines of, yeah, this your is question? exactly what I want to hear? Okay. Um, and Leah, yeah, I am recently married. Leah will laugh because every time I'm watching this um, TikTok streamer, she's like, you're watching it again. But for some reason, in my algorithm for TikTok, um, Super Mario 64 speed running um, is like on my algorithm, like one day, like I just was like, oh man, this is really cool and um there's one streamer on um TikTok that I like I was watching him so many times at some point I was like dude like this guy is like What pro- are you talking about? This guy's providing me entertainment and I feel like I should give him it's like $7 a month to subscribe to him. But what are you ta- what what are you talking about Mario's Did you ever have a Nintendo 64? No. Okay. That's your, your, That you're too old for Mario 64? Yeah, fuck you, dude. So was it like <laughs> NES? What were you on? Uh, I had the first Sega
0: Genesis, and I played the original Nintendo when I was in grade school.
1: Okay, so you played Super Mario Brothers yeah. or Super Mario 3? Super
0: Mar- No, Super Mario Brothers 1. Okay. The
1: one that came with the console. Okay, so there was the, um, NES, which is what you played. I played that too. Um, then there was Super NES. Um, and then when Nintendo 64 came out, the like the banner Mario game was called Super Mario 64. Um, And I loved that game. I was in like fifth grade when Super Mario 64 came out and I was never good because I was like too young to be great. Um, But um, I loved that game. And randomly one day, the algorithm must have known somehow, some way that like I like Super Mario 64 and there was somebody like on TikTok, you can stream playing video games. does that conceptually make sense yes yes my my son watches some people on twitch play video games okay blows my mind but whatever um okay so um he was streaming on tiktok and so you can watch him playing super mario 64 and he was like really good like really really good um and he just kept coming up in my algorithm, like whenever and he so would stream. When you said speed walking or speed, speed,
0: running, speed running. Speed running. So he's just trying to finish the game as fast as possible. Yeah,
1: so there's different categories. So Super Mario 64, there's 120 stars that you can collect. Um, and there's different categories. So there's like a zero star category, one star category, 16 star category, 70 star category, and then 120 star category. And this guy's name, his name's Tyler Quack. Um, Tyler Quack does um, 120-star speedrunning. So the goal is to get through and collect all 120 stars in the game as quickly as possible. And, like, it's database. Like, there's people, like, playing Super Mario 64, which has got to be over 20 20 years years old now. Um, Like, there are still people that speedrun Super Mario 64. In fact, there was, like, They have these strategies, like, this is how you collect the star the fastest. Like, last month, like, this game's 20 years old. Last month, there was, like, this groundbreaking new strategy to collect this one star that takes, like, 20, or not 20 minutes, two or three minutes. Um, They could collect it in, like, significantly less time, like 45 seconds. So even though the game's like 20 something years old, there's like this new strategy and now there's like brand new world records like you could google Super Mario 64 speed running and like <laughs> click on 120 star and you'll see that there's like like all the records are from like the past month because of this. You are the
0: most frugal person I know. like legitimately the most frugal person I know. you're still driving your Hyundai Elantra that has like 200,000 miles the transmission's about to. Blow out the bottom. You yeah. drove from here to, to LA in the Vegas heat of 115 with no air conditioning. You almost passed out from heat stroke yeah. because you refused to buy a new car. And you spend um $84 a year watching somebody play a video game? Yeah, I could justify
1: it easy because like <laughs> I might be I might be frugal, but like I see value. Like the way yeah. I see it, I'm like, dude, I could be going to a movie and spending 20 bucks. I could be like going out and getting drinks and spend a hundred bucks. Are you autistic? I'm yeah. like, but <laughs> this guy, like I've watched him play super Mario 64 for hours. Does he play other like, games? The least that he does play like Zelda sometimes, but I'm not as big of a Zelda fan. Um, super Mario 64, like there's like a, like a whole community around super Mario 64 speed running, like thousands of people. Like it's not a huge community, but it's out there. Um, and we're so, going to
0: interject so many Mario 64 clips into this clip.
1: <clears throat> we should donate to Tyler Quack. Okay.
0: We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put into Tyler Quack's information they on this. They have to be
1: speed running clips. Or yes.
0: Count. 100% speed running clips. Okay. Um, I was going to say yeah. something like. So spending, the least I can do
1: is give the guy $8 a month.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get it. Because yeah. um, I, I spend my whatever it is, $12, $14 on YouTube premium because I refuse to watch commercials. And I spend so much time consuming YouTube. Yeah. That twelve or thirteen bucks probably saves me a couple hours a month. Um, so that I thought you were going to go somewhere like that. This new Mario sixty four addiction is a new thing that I'm learning about you. Just yeah, today.
1: it's just not like after a long day or whatever. It's like I could watch YouTube or whatever. For me, it's like, dude, it's kind of cool to watch this guy go through Super Mario sixty four insanely fast. Right. And he's like not even like a like top tier like fastest speed runner. He's just fun to watch. So.
0: All right, and what are you looking forward to most in 2024 other than new people breaking the Mario 64 speedrunning record?
1: Um, I am looking forward to getting, like, a nice, steady routine with Leah because, like, she's been all over the country, different states, doing rotations one month here, one month there, and, um, you know, she will, like, match into whatever job that she gets in June, and we'll be there for the next 3 years. So when we were first dating, we were long distance for so long and we got in we got used to like going a long period of time without seeing each other and then she wouldn't be bothered if I shared this and it was like our normal state was like being apart like long distance and so if we ever got into like tussles or whatever, arguments, it was like when we were together because we were still like learning like exactly how to like be together for three or four days at a time. But now it's the polar opposite. Like we got married and we were like living together for three or four months before she started doing all these rotations. And so like we got used to being together. And now since like she's gone for, you know, a month at a time, even though I go and visit her, it's like now that when we're apart, we're like kind of out of sync with like stuff. So I'm really looking forward to in June, knowing where I'm going to live for the next three years, wherever she gets matched and like getting into a nice, cool, like uh, routine with Leah, with my wife.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to be an an investor in fledge. I'm like proud of the thing you've created, man. I'm super, super impressed. And I'm glad you stayed the course and didn't let me talk you out of it. Cause it is a hell of a tool. And, um, where can people find the, the system if they want to, uh, if they want to check it out.
1: Yeah, you get a free demo, um, fledge.mortgage. You sign up. It's free for the first seven days. Like I said, perfect system for me. It may not be the perfect system for you. So sign up, use it. And if you don't like it, cancel. It's not going to charge you anything. Um, But fledge.mortgage is where they would sign up. And then um, on social media, Instagram. I'm really not using social media a ton, but I'm probably most active on Instagram, um, va.guru on Instagram. Awesome. Love you, dude. Love you, too.